Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. Alrighty, so uh, I'm jumping into a new little mini-series today. Uh, as far as I know of, it's going to be today and next week, and it's called The Land. Can you say The Land? So this is The Land, uh, part one. Uh, just a, rem a, a reminder, if you want my notes, uh, basically you go to our website, go to either messages or sermons, and then underneath that little drop-down, there will be a place for you to access uh, all the messages that uh, we teach around here uh, on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Uh, but anyway, uh, every service, before service, we upload a PDF that you can download into your device or your computer. So if you would like to have that, either, even for future resources, it's, uh, it's there available for you. So to start off with, <clears throat> Jesus has all authority over the land. Can you, can you say that? Jesus has authority over the land. Not Satan. There is a train of thought, there is a belief that Satan has authority over the land because the earth uh, currently is, is uh, his domain. But when you look at Matthew chapter 28, <clears throat> And uh, when Jesus is basically going over the Great Commission, it says this, All authority, can you say all authority? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Not some authority, not part of the authority, not just a bit of power as if he has some and Satan has some. No, the Bible says all, all authority, all power has been given to Jesus Christ in the heavens and on the earth. Now you might be saying, well, I've always heard that Satan, that this is Satan, Satan's domain and that he has the power. Well, let me, I'm going to clear this up a little bit today. Next week, we're going to dive into it a little bit deeper. But the Bible says in John chapter 12, verse 31, that Satan is the ruler of this world. So we have two beings, two different domains, Jesus and Satan, land and world. Of course, Jesus and Satan is different. And the land and the world is different. The world, based off of Scripture, is not, isn't, when the, when the Bible talks about the world, it's not talking about the earth or the land or a domain that we function in. But when the world, or when the Bible is talking about the world, it is talking about a system. It is talking about a way. It is talking about a distinct functionality that exists within the land. And it is a system. It is a, 
a number of processes that absolutely oppose every single way of God. So Satan is the ruler of that system, but yet Jesus is the ruler of the land. Can I get it right on? The land is blessed. The land has been redeemed. Now the land was cursed because of Adam and Eve's sin, but because of Jesus' redemption, there has been a turnaround and the land is blessed. Now we know that it was blessed because of what God said about the land prior to sin, after he created it. Seven times, when you read the creation account in Genesis, Jesus said, this is good, or it is good. Seven times, Jesus said, it is good. And then he saved his best work for last. He created Adam and Eve, and after he created Adam and Eve, he then said, it is, does anybody remember? Very good. In other words, humanity was created at a higher level than the rest of creation that is good. So, going into... Going into that mindset, we know that what God created is good. The land in which we live in. Now, the world is technically the processes and the ways of Satan. Within the land, there is a set order. There are processes that God created in order for you and I to inherit and possess the beauty, the wonders, the blessings, and the greatness of the land. So God created the land. He established humanity on the land, and he also established a purpose. And he established a purpose for man when I say man, I'm, I'm talking about the original con context of that humanity. For humanity to govern the land and reap the blessings and the benefit of the land as long as humanity follows in the order that God established within the land. Look at somebody and say, if you want the blessing, let me go over here. Look at somebody and say, if you want the blessing, you got to follow the order. The land was created to bless you. Everything in the land was created to bless you. Technology that comes from the land was made to bless you. Jobs that come from the land was made to bless you. Opportunities that come from the land was made to bless you. Food that comes from the land was made to bless you. Clothing that comes from the land was made to bless you. 
Any and everything that is considered good in the land was created or allowed to be created from God's power through man's mind to be made for you and I to be blessed. The land is not cursed. The land is good. What happens, and I don't want to get into next week's talk, but what happens is sometimes we experience a curse because, because we follow the ways of the world. It's not because we live in a land that's cursed. The land has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, but the world still exists. So if we do not follow the ways of the world, but yet maintain the blessings or the order of God within the land, then we can reap blessings from the land. And it's, and it's God's way of blessing you and I. How does he really bless us? Think, think about this. You just wake up. Is God like Santa Claus, where you just wake up, one day, and you have a proverbial tree in your living room, and all your blessings is under that tree. Don't work that way. Think about it. If you really, really think about it, where does your blessings come from? Your blessings always, 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 unless there is a supernatural miracle, like water coming out of a rock for Moses, but 99% of the time, your blessings will come from the land. Every job we work is from the land. Everything we wear is from the land. Everything we drive is from the land. Everything we eat is from the land. Any and everything we do that is good is from the land. Our blessings come from the land because God established the land to be a blessing to his people. And God redeemed the land for that blessing and his purpose to be fulfilled for you and I. Numbers 13, 23. Now this has to do with the promised land, the place that God had intended for his children to exist in. And it really is a continuation of his heart from Eden for Adam and Eve. So we have Eden for Adam and Eve. We have the promised land for Israel. Then they came to the valley of Eshcol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So this is when Israel was going to spy out the land that God had promised them. And the land that God had promised them was a land, as the Bible says, was flowing with milk and honey. Now, there's a lot of things that milk and honey uh, 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 symbolize. A couple of the things is uh, strength and pleasure. Milk represents strength. Honey represents pleasure. Now, we, we, we can dig into that and go a lot further into that, but we're not. But 
the idea that we have here is God gave his people a land that would give them strength and give them pleasure. God wants you to have strength to live, and God wants you to be pleased in life while you live. Period. Strength to work. Strength to survive. Strength to live. Strength to have. Strength to be what he's called, created, designed you to be. But he also doesn't want you to live in a way to where you don't find the pleasures of what this land offers. God gave Israel a land that was flowing with strength and pleasure. What did God give Adam and Eve? A land that was flowing with strength and pleasure. This is God's heart. God's promised land was so wonderful that they brought back to Israel's camp, one cluster of grapes. I was listening to a message earlier this week, and, and the minister uh, was, 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 was talking about this. And they were describing, I don't know how they got the information, but they were describing the size of these grapes and how one grape was possibly the size of a... a uh, uh, I'm going blank. I know food like the back of my hand. Uh, grapefruit, grapefruit. And how a cluster of these grapes was most likely about four foot tall. And we knew it was too heavy for one man to carry. So that's why they had it connected to two poles. And two men carried a cluster of grapes on the two poles. It shows us that God was sending his people to a land of abundance. What I'm wanting you to see is God's heart here. God's heart is for his people to be blessed. God's heart is for you and I to take the land, to possess the land, to be blessed by the land, and to use the land to use the land to bless those that is in the world so they too might come to God and experience the blessings of God from the land. The land is ours to take. God told Adam and Eve in 128, Genesis 128, then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds over, of the air, over every living thing that moves on it. Do, do, do you hear that verbiage and see and recognize God's heartbeat for his people? His verbiage is to be fruitful, multiply. Think about it. God wants you to be fruitful. God is not just about you coming to church and living what we call a righteous life, doing the do's and not, don't, and not doing the don'ts. No, that is only a small aspect 
of God's plan for us as his children. Yes, God wants us to live righteously. Yes, God wants to use us with kingdom purpose. But yes, God also wants you and I to be fruitful, to multiply, increase, and subdue the land. We have problems in the church. We get people that's on one side, they're so heavenly minded, they're no good to the land. And then we get people on the other side, they're so earthly minded, they're no good to the kingdom. But yet, we fall under the category of God's children. And both have truths and both have falses. You can't be so stinking righteous that you're, so, that you're no good to the land. And you can't be so worldly that you're no good to the kingdom. What happens is you hinder God and you hinder man. And when you hinder God and you hinder man, you really mess yourself up. It is God's plan for us, yes, to be righteous, but yes, to subdue the land. Joshua 1-2, one, uh, this is uh, when Israel's about to take the promised land. Moses, my servant, is dead. Get ready. Cross the Jordan. Lead these people into the land. Can you say land? Into the land which I am ready. I love this, this, this version of the Bible. In which I am ready to hand over to them. Are you ready to be handed over what belongs to you? I am handing over to you every place you set foot, as I have promised Moses. We have a land to take. It is ours to take because we have been given the authority Authority from Jesus Christ, who has all the authority on heaven and in earth. Through Christ, children of God has been reinstated to the position of Adam and Eve to multiply, increase, fill the earth and to subdue the land. Now check this out. Each tribe was giving a territory within the land. Twelve tribes of Israel. Each tribe was given a territory. It was their own domain. It was their own place. It was an area designated for that tribe and that tribe was to increase, multiply, feel, subdue, be blessed, but yet be a blessing to that territory of their land. How is that applicable to us? We each have been given a territory. We've been given gifts, spiritual gifts. It is our territory. We have been given talents, abilities. It is our territory. We have been given dreams, 
from God. It is our territory. We have been given opportunities. It is our territory. We have been put in a place to live. It is our territory. Within your kingdom gifts, within your natural talents, from your dreams, from the opportunities, and in the place God has set you in, it is your place, and it is your purpose, and it's God's will for you to subdue that land. It is your territory. Man, you ain't getting this. You got something to possess. You got something to be extraordinarily blessed by. God created you in a beautiful, unique way. And in that beauty of how God created you, he's given you a territory. And you know what? God has a heart to increase our territory. So if you go to the prayer of Jabez, how many of you remember, the, remember Jabez or know anything about Jabez? A few of you. Jabez is only mentioned in a few verses in the whole Bible. But there's a prayer called the prayer of Jabez, and it's a beautiful prayer. And, one of, and it's like just a little four-part prayer. And at the end of the prayer, the Bible says that God granted him his prayer. But one of the parts of his prayer was God increase my territory. In other words, in the context for us, increase my gifts, increase my talents, increase my dreams, increase my opportunities, increase the places that you've called me to exist in. And the Bible says that God granted him his request. Why did God grant him his request? Why did God hear the cry of Israel? Israel was, wasn't even asking, as far as we know of, for a great promised land. But God told Moses, I've heard the cries of my people, of my children, and I have prepared for them a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Why did God have a desire to bless Jabez? Why did God have a desire to bless Israel? It goes back to the Garden of Eden when God says to Adam and Eve to multiply, to increase, to subdue, to fill, have dominion of the land. It is God's heart for you to increase in your territory. And if God be for you, who can be against you? The world will try, but as long as you stick to the order of God, the world will not succeed coming against you because if God is for you, who can be against you? I'm being tempted to jump into next week's talk, and I don't want to do that. Do we have the faith 
to take the land and occupy our territory. Do you have the faith to truly occupy, to truly subdue your land? Do you have the faith to exercise the gifts that God's called you to? Do you have the faith to exercise and to use the talents that God has blessed you with? Do you have the faith to go for opportunities that is presented to you? Do you have the faith to see that God has called you to increase? Jake, would you remind me to fix this this week? I've been hearing it a month, and I keep forgetting. It's irritating the mess out of me. I want some WD-40 or something. Let me move over here. Something, that's better. <clears throat> so check this out, Numbers 1330. This is when the 12 spies went to check out the land. When they came back to the camp, two spies had faith, ten spies didn't. This is kind of what's going on right here. It's just a couple of verses. Numbers 13, 30, and 31. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Let me say that again. Let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. But, there's always a but around. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. You're either one or the other. You're either like Caleb or you're like the doubtful ten. What's it going to be? Either you look at your land and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can conquer it, not because you're anything special, but simply because nothing is impossible through God. Or you look at your land and all the obstacles and all the issues and all the struggles and all the things that might be in your head about how you shouldn't, you can't, it won't happen. And you look at your own self and your own abilities and your own past, whatever that lack might be, and you say to yourself, I can't do this. It's on you. It's on you. The key is knowing what's your land and obeying God. That's the key. If you know what's your land, nothing can stop you. The problem is sometimes we go after other people's land and not the land God called us to. There's no promise for you to obtain somebody else's land. 
So you have to know what's your land. What is your territory? What has God blessed you with? What is your spiritual giftings? What is your natural talents? What is your domain? Where are you purposed at? Because once you know that, it doesn't mean there's not going to be no troubles. Now, that's what we get into a little bit next week. But it does mean that nothing will stop you. Because if God be for you, who can be against you? Or, repeating myself, you can be all consumed about your lacks, your inabilities, your doubt, and be like, I can't do this. And you can just keep on living your life without the totality or the fullness of God's blessings and promises that he has for you, his child. It's totally up to you. As your pastor, I can't do nothing for you. I can teach you the word. I can preach the word to you. I can give you some wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that is word-based. But you have to cross the Jordan. You have to march around Jericho. You had to conquer your land. Another thing is, are we willing to change some of our ways to possess the land? Joshua 1, 7 through 9, make sure you are very strong and brave. Carefully, can you say carefully? Carefully. Mm, I love Ooh, I like that. That is such a warning word right there. Carefully obey all. Can you say all? All the law my servant Moses charged you to keep. Do not swerve from it to the right or to the left, so that you may be successful in all that you do. This law scroll must not leave your lips. You must memorize it day and night so you can carefully obey all that is written in it. Then, can you say then? Then you will prosper and be successful. I repeat, be strong and brave. Don't be afraid and don't panic. For I the Lord your God and with you and all you do. If there's one thing that will sabotage any of us here today when it comes to us obtaining and possessing our land, the place that God has purposed us, it's sin. Sin practiced in our life will keep us from obtaining the land faster than anything. There's a reason God told Joshua, and what we're looking at here is a, is a principle, a principle about obeying God's word. We don't live by Old Testament scrolls, but we do live by the word of God that is based from the New Testament. It's absolute. And there's a principle in this 
This is, if we are careful to obey his word that is meant for us, then we will succeed. But if not, then we won't. See, we're not talking about heaven or hell. We're talking about being blessed and prospering here on earth. In essence, that's what we're talking about. You being blessed and you prospering here on earth. That's what we're talking about. It is God's heart. We see it in the Garden of Eden. We see it with Israel in the Promised Land. We even see it with God in His church in the New Testament. It is His heart. It is his plan for his children to be blessed and to prosper. Please don't confuse what I'm saying when I use the word prosperity with some, uh, with some erroneous uh, teachings about prosperity that you might have heard from various ministers uh, over the past three or four decades. I don't even want to jump on that. I'm, I'm. You doing well. You doing good. You being blessed. You being provided for. You having a healthy marriage. You having a good job. You being able to bless your neighbors. You having all that you need to sustain your life. You having enough to find pleasure in this life. You having enough that you can put back that when you get to an age one day that you can't keep working like you used to work, you can still live well. Am I making sense this morning? That's prospering. And the Bible says, uh, one of the apostles said, I think it's in Timothy, that he would wish all of us to prosper just as our soul prospers. Maybe James. I get them mixed up. God desires for his people to prosper. That does not mean that everybody's going to be rich and affluent. Some will be. It is their lease in life. It is God's plan and his purpose. And whatever they've done, God has blessed them. And that's okay. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. But when I say prosperity, I'm not meaning that. I, I feel like I just had to hit the pause to say that because some ignorant-ended preachers has taught people that God expects everybody to be rich, and if you're not rich, then something's wrong in your life. I'll have to give them a smack, an elbow, and a punch. Not really, not really. But am I making sense this morning? Am I making sense? See, Israel had to change some of their ways before they took the land. When they came out of Egypt, God put them in the wilderness. And this was supposed to be just for a short period of time. If I'm not mistaking that wilderness journey from Egypt to the promised land, if I'm not mistaken, because it's been a long time since I've really studied that, is 11 days. And, and, and 
So it, they wasn't supposed to be there a long time. They were just supposed to be there for, the, for them to get the Ten Commandments, for them to get the laws, for them to get the order that God had planned for them to live out when they take the promised land. So before they could get the promised land, they had to put some things in order. And it's the same way with us. We have to be willing to make some changes in our life in order to take the promised land. What happened to them when they didn't make those changes? Well, Israel listened to the ten spies that said, no, we can't take the land. And God condemned them to death. And they spent 40 years in the wilderness. Why 40 years? Because it took 40 years for that generation to die. The principle behind that for us is if we don't kill certain things in our life that opposes the order of God, either we will never get to the promised land or the promised land will just sit there waiting for those parts of our life to die. You're breathing. Last, not least. It is okay to notice. It is okay to desire. And it is okay to enjoy the fruit of the land that God has called us to. Does that make sense? It is okay to want to experience certain pleasures that could come from the land that you're called to possess. Do we not think Adam and Eve did not find pleasure in Eden? Do we not think that Israel was not to find pleasure in the promised land? Do we not think that Solomon didn't have pleasure in all his wealth? But there is a condition. And this is where some people kind of get mixed up a bit. It is okay to notice, it is okay to desire, and it is okay to enjoy. As long as we follow the first and second commandment, or that first and second commandment is more important than the pleasures of the land. What is the first and second greatest commandment? I know some of you know. The first one is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. So when you love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might, all the other things begin to fall into place. You don't get topsy-turvy with materialism. You don't get out of control with the pleasures of the land. Why? Because you really, really, really love God. The second one, it says, is to love your neighbor. In other words, is to love humanity. 
as you would love yourself. Treat others how you would like to be treated. I, I, I don't so much anymore, but back in the day, I, I, I used to follow various business leaders and people of success and you know, things like that. And I've heard some of them say this, and it really, for, for me, I believe it. I, find, I have found it to be true. You, you give wealth to a good person, they're only going to become better. You give wealth to a bad person, they're only going to become worse. So all wealth does magnifies what you really are. A good person, in the context that we're speaking today, will love God more and prefer his brothers more. A person that might be greedy, have a selfish heart, what are they going to do with the pleasures of the land? It's just going to be about me, myself, and I. And they're not going to use those pleasures to worship God. They're not going to use those pleasures to bless people. So as long as we have our priorities in order, loving God with everything that is in us, and, it's, and honestly, Loving people like we like to be loved. The pleasures of the land has been given by God for us to enjoy. Because everything begins to fall in order. Oh, I feel this so deeply. already in your land you have a land to increase and it's good oh it's so good and from that comes blessing and from that comes peace and from that comes joy and from that comes ways to be a blessing amen land is ours and it's ours to take your land is yours it's for yours to take so conquer it take a step of faith and possess it and enjoy it it is yours from God. Solomon multiple times in the book of Ecclesiastes says this, it is a gift from God for man to enjoy the fruit of his hands, the fruit of his work. His land was given by God to create for there to be pleasure for us. Amen. God bless you. By your head, let me close us out in prayer. Lorana's coming to finish us. Right? No, not today. Okay. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let this be a moment of, of, of revealing, of awakening, of, of, of maybe reminding that each and every one of us have a land to take. And in that land is blessing, in that land is opportunity, in that land is pleasure, in that land is ministry, in that land is kingdom works, in that land is worship. May we all see it. May we all recognize it. And if we don't know what is our land, Lord, I ask that you open our hearts and open our minds and open our imaginations to be able to see what is ours for the taking if we so choose to follow in your order to have faith in your power for us to conquer the land. I honor you, Lord. We honor you. We love you. We worship you in the name of Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.